And that's one of the most beautiful things about being involved in our Manitoba Marathon. It is a great equalizer. Prince or pauper, it doesn't matter what your background is, what your income is, what your outcome is. Everybody is in the same boat. The times that I could be one of those starters were extremely exciting for me. But then as the years went on, I could no longer run in the marathon. But by gosh, I can help to run the marathon. That was Nancy Gaidozik, and this is episode 144 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a road runner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Nancy Gaidozik has been volunteering with the Manitoba Marathon for the past 41 years, nearly as long as the event's 45-year existence. At this year's Manitoba Runners Association Hall of Fame Banquet, she was honoured as the very first recipient of the Excellence in Volunteering Award, where she brought many in the crowd, myself included, to tears with her heartfelt acceptance speech. Large-scale events like the Manitoba Marathon require an army of dedicated volunteers, and as you're about to discover, nobody takes their role more seriously than Nancy. A former runner herself, Nancy intimately understands everything that goes into training and racing, but as a person in her 80s, she also has the life experience to know what is truly important. Nancy and her finish line team, many of whom are high school students, make every athlete feel special as they present them with their medals. Hugging is also in Nancy's DNA as a friendly Manitoban, and she has enthusiastically wrapped her arms around countless sweaty bodies over the years, with their permission, of course. Runners in Manitoba owe a huge debt of gratitude to Nancy for all she has done for them over the past four plus decades. The next time you're at a race, remember to thank the volunteers because our favorite events are only possible with their continued support. And now on to our conversation with volunteer extraordinaire, Nancy Gaidozik. Good evening, Nancy, and welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you with us. Well, hi, Carolyn. Hi, Kim. Good to see you all the way in Calgary, my former hometown. <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, maybe we'll find out a little bit more about all the places that you've lived and what you've done, but I feel pretty confident in saying that the listeners are in for a real treat tonight because the one and only time that I've had the pleasure of interacting with you, Nancy, about two months ago, you had me in tears and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> you had me and many other people in tears. You were recently inducted into the Manitoba Runners Association Hall of Fame as the inaugural recipient of the new Excellence in Volunteering Award. And I'm not quite sure what I was expecting from your speech, but I certainly didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> and I can't honestly remember what you said, but you gave one of the most heartfelt and impassioned speeches I have ever heard. And it reminded me of that quote from Maya Angelou that says something about um, people don't remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. So I was hoping to be able to recreate some of that magic tonight. So let's start with what do you remember about that evening that you were awarded into the MRA Hall of Fame? Oh my gosh, Carolyn, it's just, um, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for this. This is a brand new experience. And one of the things that I find so beautiful being given the the opportunity and the gift of being to, able to live into my 80s 
is that there's so much more to discover, so much more to learn. There isn't really so much more to do in terms of physical things, but there's so much more to appreciate. And you take the appreciation from what's going on around you and from the wisdom of people who are still growing and sharing what they're doing. And, And I think that evening was a complete unknown to me. I didn't know what to expect. I had a few thoughts about what I might want to say in order to be thankful for the privilege, but I had nothing scripted and I didn't want to have a script. And so I sat there during the dinner and even prior to the dinner, which was a beautiful opportunity to mix and mingle. And what that did was really help me to appreciate the diversity in that group of people and what they all were doing, but also what they were all bringing into this event experience that we have chosen to embrace. And that is get out there, pound the pavement, do your best, run as far, run as fast for as long as you can. And then recognize that maybe you're not always going to be able to do that. And that's, that was a beautiful, beautiful recognition. And so when I was able to get up there and have the freedom of that microphone, I spoke from my heart. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing I could do. And one of the things that was so important for me was to try to pass along to everybody in that room to Embrace where you are. And I called it the seasons of your life. And I remember the days when I was fit and 40, because I never started to run until I was 40. And I felt as though I could conquer the world. I could do anything and everything. And there was a group of people that were doing similar things. And we became as one. And we supported each other. And we acknowledged and applauded each other. And then as the years went on, it became also a very important opportunity and challenge to become involved in not just what I could do, but what I could give. And that's where the volunteering came in. And I discovered that it was even more valuable to help make it possible for other people to do what I used to be able to do, because... I realized that I couldn't do that anymore. And rather than feel badly about that, I think I came to recognize that it was okay that these times, that season was past, but the next season was here and it gave me opportunities and I I embraced those And now I realize I'm in the winter season, not only of running and volunteering, but in the winter season of my life. And I love, love, love that I can still be part of something that I love, love, love. So that kind of in a nutshell is what it was. And I don't know, people talk about the Holy Spirit, but there was something that just let me say what I felt deep in my heart and what I felt needed to be said. So that's kind of it, Carolyn. 
Sorry, I've gone on and on and on. Nope. Nope. This is exactly (laughs) like I wasn't lying at the beginning. Vouch for me, Kim. Are you sitting here just on the edge of your seat, like hanging on to every word? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. I'm curious. um, So you said you you took up running when you were 40 or close to 40 Mm -hmm. and you you did it for yourself for a while and then you realized I can also give back. Was there any overlap between those times? Like, did you do it for yourself and then also volunteer or was it a clean break? Yeah. Tell us more about that. Well, absolutely. And I think that's what made it so exciting, too, is to be able to um, to participate as a runner and and be involved in the various events. I'd always wanted to do a full marathon, and I have to, I have to accept that that never happened. So I did a number of, of half marathons. I can't I can't remember how many, but the very first one that I did was so exciting because I trained. And when you're in your forties, as you know, you can conquer the world. And so I trained hard and fast, and and uh, it was a beautiful thing that I could get out of the house because I have five children. Yeah. and a dog yes, we were gonna get I had there. five children and a dog and and so getting out of the house um to, to be able to get on the road was something that I didn't have to drive to yeah. I didn't have to pay a membership to get out there I just had to have proper shoes and my dog loved it and we would we would cover the miles and then we would come home and I would feel tired and a bit achy creaky but rejuvenated but then, and it was through our dear friend, Marilyn Fraser, who was so actively involved in the MRA and had been its uh, president for many years. Um, she invited me and encouraged me to help out for some of the races that I wasn't entering. And I loved it. I loved being able to cheer and applaud and to laud the other runners and to keep them going. And I got my five kids involved and they would come out and whether it was, you know, helping at a water station or um, whatever it was that they were doing, they felt they were part of something that was almost, it was magical and it was bigger than themselves. And some of them have actually gone on to be uh, runners themselves. And I, I won't take a lot of time to tell you about the time that my fourth child, third daughter did uh, a half marathon, but there was wine along the way, so it was a oh. drinking marathon. <laughs> in the Okanagan, perhaps? <laughs> I, indeed, it was. Yes, I've and, heard of this. <laughs> she had an absolute ball, and I thought they didn't have to pick you up from the ground. And I think they kept going for as long as they had to, and I have no idea how she felt after. But it's amazing what you can do in your 40 that you can only think about when you're in your 80s. You know, it's just, and I love the stories. I love the human interest stories that everybody has a story. And most of the stories are really, really empowering and exciting. And some of the stories are very, very profound and poignant and and very um, deeply moving because people run for so many different reasons and for so many different people. And it's not about themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. And for, certainly for a lot of the elite people, yes, it is about themselves, more power to them. And But the time will come when they can't do that anymore. Right. And yet they don't have to stop entirely. They just have to accept the reality that now I can run 
but I don't have to compete, certainly not with myself and certainly not against other people. I can still be part of something that I've always loved and I can contribute to it and I can be part of it. But I think by volunteering, you can give back to it. And that's one of the most beautiful things about being involved in our Manitoba Marathon. I've had the honor and the privilege to be at at the finish line and presenting medals to our finishers. And it is so valuable for me to be able to extrapolate my own experience as a former runner, but my life experience as an older person and recognize that what they have done is incredible. It's monumental. They have set a goal and they have mastered that goal, maybe not exactly the way they had wanted to, but they did it. And they need to have that recognition. They need to have that acknowledgement. And that's why the team of people that I have, my crew, I call them. They're not old farts quite like I am, but they're getting there. (laughs) And what they can do is they can schmooze. And what our marathon finishers need, not all of them, but a lot of them, they need those few extra seconds where somebody can schmooze and make them feel that what they have done is monumental because it is. It is. It is. And now let me set the stage a little bit here. So you're talking about the Manitoba Marathon. And at the time of this recording, that event took place yesterday. Yes. So you were at the finish line of the 45th Manitoba Marathon yesterday, but you have been volunteering at the Manitoba Marathon for 41 years long time, right? That is a long time to be a volunteer. And and your main role in volunteering, has it always been the finish line? Or what's your favorite volunteer job? Oh, my goodness. I, I can't even. Um, well, I have I have always been kind of in, in the stadium, although I was very, very much a part of getting our schools involved back in the 1980s. Um, that was when we first introduced uh, Dakota Collegiate, and it was through Jerry Elchina, who was a teacher at that time, and one of my daughters was going to Dakota, and it was just, you know, things happen at the right time because it is the right time, and you, you take advantage of those things, and the marathon was growing, our Manitoba Marathon was growing, And we're always looking for volunteers, but we're looking for committed volunteers, people who are there because they want to be there, not because they have to be there. And so that's when we introduced our student volunteers through Jerry Olchina at Dakota Collegiate. We call them Jerry's kids. They did everything. They they, um, were there at the finish line. They were certainly there for the Spaghetti Fest on the Friday night. They were just wonderful, and a lot of them went on to become very, very um, active runners themselves. But um, that's kind of one of the first things that I did as as a a marathon volunteer. I was on the board, mm-hmm. and I was the I guess also the first coordinator for the finish line for the super run. Didn't know a thing about what I was doing, but uh, we managed. And it's become so streamlined, like everything else in the, man- in the marathon, 
has become very streamlined. But we did what we could with what we knew and what we had, and we made it work, and it worked beautifully. And at that time, we were a family. We were a bunch of people who put on the Manitoba Marathon, and we knew each other intimately, and we would have bi-weekly and then weekly <laughs> meetings, and then we'd go to Chi Chi's after, and we'd you know live it up <laughs> and have great fun. But we were family. Mm-hmm. And um, as as we grew, I became involved in, in other things, um, but mostly in the finish year. It was that, yeah, uh, the huggers. It was always wonderful to be a hugger. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. What's the job of a hugger besides hugging, of course? You know, I don't know whether or not this is something that is unique to Manitoba, but it certainly is something that we were so proud to be able to do. And we still do it. We have people who are there who will meet and greet the finisher. And if they need physical support, we will physically support them as they walk through to the recovery area. And oftentimes, we would, um, in doing so, we would be connected to some pretty sweaty bodies. <laughs> I mean, you don't expect to come through this, you know, smelling like a rose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And one of the benefits of being in your 80s is that you don't smell so good anyway. <laughs> and that's not just to other people, it's just that you don't pick up on their aromas. Oh <laughs> and, and so the Manitoba Huggers. I, I don't know about other marathons, but we, the huggers became almost infamous. Right. And to this day, <laughs> to this day we, we have people who are prepared to hug. So that's it's just, it's evolved. Awesome. It's evolved to yeah. what it is today. And yes. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. In a sweaty way. <laughs> yeah. And now you're talking about being at the finish line. So this is where you were yesterday. This was your, your job at the event yesterday, yes. but yes. I, I read something as I was preparing for this episode and it said, I think it might be a quote from you, but being at the Manitoba marathon finish line, when the last runners crossed the finish line, accompanied by the bike sweepers, the media was long gone and signage and equipment was already being taken down. But these final foot soldiers would proudly cross the line in pursuit and achievement of their very personal goals. Somehow the satisfaction felt by these slowest performers was even more moving than that of the champions at the front. Can you speak a little bit more to that? All I can say is ditto. That Mm -hmm. is exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to give the quote about having, you know, running at a half marathon is a little like having a baby, but we can maybe do that later. (laughs) But no, it's it's very, very true. And, you know, it was interesting yesterday, Carolyn and Kim, that I didn't know whether or not I would be able to stay for the duration because a little over a year ago, I had a, a minor stroke. And um, I, I am grateful. I'm so thankful that I, I came through that. And I'm fine. I'm not as fine as I used to be. But I'm better than I could have been. And I don't have the staying power. And I don't need the staying power because I don't have to have it anymore. And I found that <laughs> at the stadium yesterday, there's something about adrenaline. It keeps you going, even when you think you can't. And that's the same whether you're running the marathon or helping to run the marathon. There's a lot of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And there's a lot of staying power, but you're not alone <laughs> with other people. Some people are drained in their energy being around crowds and lots of people and others are energized by it. Others absorb that energy and just, you know, become energized themselves. And listening to you, I can tell that you are very much energized by people and, you know, absorbing all of that positive energy, that feeling of accomplishment, the pride really fuels you. I can just see you're glowing right now when you speak about it. (laughs) Kim, you're absolutely right. And because I didn't have any preconceived notions of what the day was going to be like. I I actually said a little prayer in the morning, hoping that it would go well and that I wouldn't need to be one of the people carted off to medical because, you know, there's always that possibility. And, um, but you're right. It was the, it was the energy. It was the, the crowd. It was my team. It was everybody. It was the runners themselves who would say when they would come across and we would put the medal over their over their head and I would ask them, those that I was privileged enough to present with their medals, and how many half marathons is this for you? Or how many marathons mm. is this for you? And those that said, it's my first, I said, oh, that's so wonderful. Can I give you a hug? I needed to get permission. May I give you a hug? Oh, of course you can, but I'm so sweaty. I said, sweetie, I've had 41 years of sweaty bodies. Hugging you is a privilege. (laughs) And it was, it truly, truly was. But we're talking about years ago when we would wait for the stragglers to come in. And I don't like the term stragglers because there's a negative connotation. But the runners that were going to do what they were, what they set out to do, never mind how long it took. And back in the days that we were at University Stadium, before they changed the track for the Pan Am Games that were being hosted here, the Goldwing motorcyclists would accompany the final runner Mm. onto the track. And their horns would be going and their lights would be going. And there was a celebration for this final runner who was so animated by this excitement. And by that time, the stadium was being dismantled. The signage was coming down. The sponsors had long gone. The stands were emptying out. There were very, very few people around. But the volunteers who still were there, and they were hooplawing as hard and as loud as they could and cheering on this final runner. And as they crossed the finish line, That illustrated what this is all about. Now, of course, because we're in Bomber Stadium, and thank you, the Blue Bombers, may they win on Thursday night against BC, but we will see. Um, Since we're in the stadium, we can't have motorcycles and blaring horns and stuff like that accompanying the final runners, but they are still the final runners. Mm -hmm. And the stadium starts to be dismantled even before the final runners come in. And it's not the same energy coming into a stadium that doesn't look like the celebratory stadium that the front runners were able to have welcome them, but it's no less important. No less important. 
Yeah. And now, okay, so just a little fun fact for everybody listening. Nancy is actually over at my house right now doing this (laughs) recording, which is so exciting and special that normally I don't think that's ever happened for me. I think it happened for you once, Kim. But um, before we, just as we were chatting before, you were talking about how your kids are all over now. Some of them are in BC and some are in the States and, and the BC ones want you to go out and, and live in BC and be closer to them. And you aren't crazy about that idea because your people are here. Your community is here. And I think you're actually speaking to this so beautifully. You are part of this community, but it's not by accident. <laughs> like you have... <laughs> ensured that you're part of this community by generously giving back to it, right? And we we always get more than we give. I, I think that's very true. Yeah, I think one of the beautiful things about volunteering is that it's just not one-sided. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know what, what you're going to get out of it, but boy, do you ever discover what you can. Mm-hmm. And what you discover too is that with longevity, there comes, if I may say, a sense of... Uh, wisdom in the appreciation, which isn't necessarily there when you're just signing up to do something. Right. And whether it's your church, if you go to church, whether it's the choir you're part of, whatever you do, the more you invest yourself in it, the more it gives you back. And over so many years of doing this, it's, it, it grows, it evolves. It doesn't happen quickly. And one of the reasons why I would think, sure, I could move out to BC and live in a probably a basement suite for what I could <laughs> sell my house for here. But my kids have their own lives and they, they live in different parts. of uh, they're, they're not that close to each other. And so I wouldn't want to be a little old lady sitting somewhere by myself in British Columbia because the weather's better, yeah, as if. Um, it's very cold there today, I understand. My daughter, Katie, the one that was at Dakota, if I may just, this is a little aside. Please don't forget what I was meaning to say, because I tend to forget, but bring me back. Um, by Katie now, is um, she's a, an executive producer uh, doing the Hallmark movies. And I, I'm very, I'm very proud of her. And I love that what, that what she and, and her Kim, she's working with another Kim, what they're doing is, I said, honey, they... The, the movies now have so much more depth to them. They deal with true life issues. And she said, Mom, Kim and I don't do the rom-coms. We do the dramas. And that's one of the beautiful things is that they deal with the issues that all of us are facing, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's diversity in families, and certainly mental health issues. And I think this is so beautiful because we really do need to address them. And we need to recognize that whatever the stigmas are, it's up to us to try to get rid of them as well. And I, I think when you're going to be 82 in a couple of weeks, you don't pull your socks up and move somewhere else and expect to have the deeply rooted associations that come with having been part of a community or communities mm-hmm. for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And Winnipeg is not unique in that, but Winnipeg truly is unique. It and is. I know, I know, well, yes, you moved to Calgary. And and I know of a number of people who have moved elsewhere and some have come back to Winnipeg and they haven't come back for the weather, but they've come back for community. 
Yes. The associations, yeah. the friendships that were made that sustain. And you don't necessarily make that depth of friendship when you are starting over. You you meet a lot of people, but you're not yeah. part of that their community. So that's that's an important part of my life is to be close to my communities. You speak a lot of truth there. You talk about wisdom of appreciation. I love that phrase. You know, there's a lot of research surrounding healthy aging and longevity. And one of the key factors is the quality of a person's relationships, you know, in the healthy aging process. Um, I can't argue with you that the time I spent in Winnipeg, I arrived a bit of a BC snob. You know, (laughs) it's cold, it's flat. And genuinely miss the community there in a way I never thought I would. Um, There is something very special about the Winnipeg community. And in particular, as we're speaking here, the running community. And and now that you're in in Calgary, I hope that you are building a new community in their running community. Because my understanding is that it is pretty dynamic. There is a very dynamic, that's a good word for it, dynamic, diverse, being so close yes. to the mountains, there's, there's, you know, your road runners as well as your trail runners and your yes. mountain runners. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of options here in Calgary. Now, mm-hmm. if I may, could we go back to the very beginning of your running journey for a moment? You mentioned you started running when you had kids because it was a low cost, time efficient way to get out the door. But what else was it? What inspired, you know, you to not oh. just start running, but stay running? Well, it was Terry Fox. Okay. I, I, was, I was so inspired by this young man and what he was attempting to do. And his goals and his outlook on life. And the fact that he had only one leg. You know, and I, I just... I don't really think I identified a lot of things, but I just felt, yes, this is something I can do. This is something I want to do. So I started humbly. And I really enjoyed getting out of the house, getting away from the kids. <laughs> right? Oh. The older my kids got, the longer my runs got. Mom <laughs> yeah. needs more time I, today. I, I, didn't, I didn't have to answer the phone. I didn't have to carry on seven conversations at the same time. It was just, it was just me and nature and my dog (laughs) and it was beautiful. But then, then MRA came into my life Mm -hmm. and I realized that I, deep down there was a little competitor and I wanted to get out there and I wanted to, I wanted to pound the pavement and do well in my age category because there's always these young bucks that, you know, they look good in Speedo and they speed like they're in Speedo. <laughs> but then there's people that are a little bit farther along, <laughs> a little bit longer in the tooth. And they, they do wonderful things, but they don't wear Speedo as much anymore. <laughs> Thank <know>. goodness. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And then, and again, I have to credit Mouse, Marilyn Fraser, because she didn't just get me involved in a lot of running, but also in helping out at, at the MRA. But she was she was helping out at the marathon. So she got me um, to volunteer. It was it was then the Ramada Inn. That's where his headquarters one was. So I went down there and I was just helping to put together race kits and you know, whatever they needed. I mean, I just had two hands and they worked well and I, you know, could follow instructions. I didn't don't ask me to 
figure something out just yet because I'm still new at this. But it was fun and the people were great. And, and the, the, the runners would come in and, and the, I kind of picked up on some of their glow and their excitement. And it just started from there. There was the one time it was this huge rainstorm and it was flooding in race headquarters at the Ramada Inn. And, you know, so everybody made do as best they could. And, 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 I don't know. and then I thought, why don't I even try to run one of these events? So in, in 1983, which is like a lifetime ago, I thought, I think I'd like to do a half marathon. Why not? And I was still young enough that I could talk myself into it. And so I started to train for it. And gosh, it was fun. Gosh, it was fun. And I didn't have a coach like you, Carolyn. I think if I was to do it over again, I would have a coach, Carolyn. <laughs> but I was able to build up the distance and the time and I survived all that. And I thought, darn it, I can do this. And at that time, there was a blind runner here in Manitoba. His name was Shep Shell. And he was a very accomplished runner. He would run with a guide. But I got to know him through my helping out at race headquarters and so on. And Shep Shell was kind of a, he was almost a legend. And he ran, he ran so much. But this one particular marathon... He wasn't able to run because he had some kind of an injury. You know, runners get injured and they don't run. So they do other things. They help. And so I said to him, well, Shep, you know what? This is my first half marathon. I'd like you to be my hugger. <laughs> and he said, sure. How long, how long do you need? I think I need two hours. And he said, okay, I'll be at the finish line. I will wait for you. And it was a really beautiful running day, and I felt good, except when I got to Heartbreak Hill, which was kind of going up Bishop Ground, and the race course now is reversed, so you get rid of Heartbreak Hill early, and um, uh, you go down. But uh, this is this is what um, I, I thought I'd met my Waterloo, but instead of meeting my Waterloo, I met my Edward. Edward was another runner. I, I, I had never met him before. I haven't met him since. But it became my personal pace bunny. And as long as you can utter a few cohesive or coherent <laughs> comments, you know that you're okay. And so we ran together the final distance from Bishop Brandon down uh, University Crescent and back into the stadium. And God love him, as we got onto the track, we were coming around, we could both see the finish line. And I was just so exhilarated. And Edward, God love him, took a step back and he let me cross first. And there was Shep. Shep was standing there and he was waiting for me. And he picked me up and he twirled me around in those days. I was of a weight where you could do something like that. <laughs> Them days is gone forever. <laughs> But it's part of the heritage of my treasured memories. And I will forever be grateful to Edward. And I will forever be grateful to Shep. And I came in in my first marathon at 158.33.
Awesome. Well, I love this because this is like your own little personal breaking two project. Like, do you know that uh, Elliot Kipchoge, you know, the whole breaking two for the the marathon and your whole thing was your breaking two for the half marathon and you did it. And you were quoted at the end as saying running the half marathon is a little like having a baby. I'll do it again someday, but not tomorrow. (laughs) And this is especially fitting because you are, you were an obstetric nurse who led uh, Lamaze classes for years. So um, did that, did that analogy just come with the territory or tell us about where that came from? You being a mom of five, maybe? <laughs> being a mom of five. You have you've done your homework. Well, way back in those days, I, I was also uh, in the marathon, um, I was kind of volunteering and helping out with the media, getting the media people what they needed. And a lot of that involved getting human interest stories and so on. Right. And Scott Taylor was covering the marathon that day. And Scott Taylor was with the Free Press. He was one of our sports reporters. And he was just, you know, hanging around in the finish area, which is, you know, where, where all of our media people hang out. And uh, I I didn't want to go. The, we, we didn't have to be ushered through the recovery in those days. We could sort of hang out where we were. I, I miss those days in many ways. But we have days today that are very treasured as well. But at that time, I was still hanging around because I didn't feel ready to leave. And I happened to say to somebody, and I have no idea who I said it to, you know, running the half marathon is a little like having a baby. I'll do it again someday, but not tomorrow. <laughs> and I heard this voice saying, can I quote you on that? And I turned around. <laughs> and there was Scotty, and I said, what? He said, can I quote you on that? I said, sure, I don't care. And so he did. And in the write-up in the free press that day, it became the quote of the day. And damn it, if it didn't become the quote of the year, (laughs) the wrap up at the end of the year. You see, and I don't really remember those things, um, Carolyn and Kim, until somehow I'm reminded. And that's one of the beautiful, beautiful blessings of being in a community where our experiences take us all over the place and back many years and hopefully forward many years. And we remind each other in many ways of what it's all about and why we do this and why we want to continue doing this. Absolutely. So correct me if I'm wrong, but in 1983, that was still an era where it wasn't that common for women to be running half marathons and marathons. I mean, it was happening, but it wasn't to the level that it was today. Were you a little bit of a pioneer trailblazer. yeah I, trailblazer in your running community I don't think so I think no? that if anything that that women became very very much a part of all the running distances well before I, I conquered my first half marathon but probably not that many years later there was certainly never any any suggestion that this was an inappropriate thing for a woman to do that's mm-hmm. good yeah. And I'm I'm glad that we've progressed to where we are. And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, it just reminded me, Kim, that today, it's all systems go. This is something for everybody. The diversity, the diversity that I saw 
that I, I was part of yesterday was incredible. And if I may just take a moment to tell you about our Dakota students. We had we had so many of them there and, and Jerry Olchena when he when he when he retired, he knew that this program was going to retire with him unless there was someone who was there at Dakota who could carry it on. And at that time, and Jerry told me this, we, we just spoke today, we're meeting for coffee on Tuesday. I haven't seen Ilch. He said, hi, it's Ilch. I said, I know. And um, we're meeting for coffee because I saw him, at, you know, the call display. Uh, and, and we're meeting for coffee. And he told me the story. I didn't know it before. How appropriate to share it with you. There were three student teachers that were vying for a position at Dakota at the time that Jerry was getting ready to leave. And there was one in particular that Jerry had sort of earmarked as being an ideal replacement for himself. And that was Dean Favoni. And Dean Favoni... Um, Jerry said he went to to, um, to Wayne, the principal, and said to him, "After look, when I leave, you've got to you've got to hire Dean because Dean will take over this program and he will do it proud." Well, Dean has been the leader at Dakota Collegiate now for oh my God, I don't know how many years. It's a, I'd have to do the math. But I mean, Dean is white hair. He's not completely white, but he's, you know, he's aging like everybody else. But he brings these students out and he leads them and he guides them. And yesterday we had a United Nations of Dakota students. Mm. We had young women in their headscarves. We had blacks and browns. We had people who English is obviously not their first language. And I will tell you something that I observed because they were also handing out medals in the half marathon. And so my team was, you know, sort of deferring because this was also part of their job. And what we were noticing is that a lot of the students were just giving the medal to the finisher. And we said to them, no, 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 no. You present them with their medal. You put it around their neck. You congratulate them. You show your excitement and enthusiasm for what they have just accomplished. And some of them were able to do that. But Carolyn and Kim, some of them couldn't really grasp it. And I came to the realization that it was probably a cultural thing, mm. that it is not part of their cultural culture to touch, mm-hmm. to certainly not to hug. And yet it's part of our Manitoba Marathon culture not to exclude that from people who deserve to have it. But we need to recognize and be respectful that if we're going to incorporate the diversity of people who want to be part of our Manitoba Marathon, we need to understand where they're coming from and perhaps try to encourage them Mm -hmm. to find a way to honor our finishers in the way the finishers deserve to be honored and if that means that they can learn to touch learn to hug great if not then spend those few seconds congratulating them and lauding them and applauding them Mm -hmm. but that's something that when we have our wind-up meeting next thursday 
I want to bring that up because I think we, as, as the tech group, the organizing committee, we need to take a look at that. We really do. Well, it's striking me that the volunteers that work on your committee are so lucky to have you as their leader. Like truly you're a leader in this space because sometimes people may not feel like that's, you know, in them to, to honor people in that way, but then watching you do it and hearing your encouragement, like, this is how we do it. This is what we do here. Here's these people have gone through so much running their half marathon, their, their marathon, and this is what they deserve. Like, I think you're cultivating that in the next generation of volunteers, right. By leading by example and, I hope and so. doing what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope so. Because I, I, I remember uh, in one of the communications with my team, I was saying to them, look guys, um, I don't know how much I'll be able to do because certainly last year because of the heat and the humidity and of course the race was called around 8 30 I knew I wasn't going to even get there because I was just a few weeks past having had my minor stroke and so I, I wasn't there and this year I wanted to be there as much as possible but I said to them I don't know because my staying power isn't what it used to be I'll do what I can for as long as I can, um, but I know you've got it. You, you right. guys will do it. You've got it. Yes. And they, they were all said, if you're here, that's great. If you're not here, cheer from home. We've got this. And I had said to them in one of our communications, and I'll share this with you, I, will, I wanted to get in touch with Dean and say to him, Dean, you know, uh, I may or I may not be able to make it. We may need to draw from some of your students to compliment my team um, because if I'm not there and and so one of my team members one of the other old farts but not quite as old as this one and I will not say what his name is <laughs> <laughs> which leaves you to figure out which one it is said no 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 don't don't uh, reassign uh, leave this to us if necessary, we will pull, pull somebody. Because I said, you know, the volunteers there, they're already, they've got their, their IDs, they, they're there, they're registered volunteers. So we don't have to bring in somebody like from off the street. And they're there if we need them. But this, this gentleman said, and he was wise, he said, what our finishers need is an adult. They need somebody who has been there, done that, who understands and who also has life experience. Exactly. And yeah. I, I agree with that. And so, and I think it was manifest in what I saw with the students. Right. God love them, but they're young. They have much to learn. But I think that they were learning from what they observed. Right. Yeah. I can just hear the reverence in your voice for what you do. It's, it's almost spiritual, really. Like you, you, you consider it a privilege and honor and, uh, beyond that, you know, it just, it's, it's fascinating listening to you speak. It's all of that. It's yeah. all of that. I could so easily under different circumstances say, well, that's it, you know, no more Manitoba marathon for me, but I came home yesterday. I could barely move. And I was grateful. I was so grateful. If I can just, do I, can I tell you about my story of trying to leave 
Yes, oh my please God. do. <laughs> After I, it was noon. I'd been there for six hours and I'd been on my bloody feet for six hours and they hurt <laughs> and they were swelling up. And I thought, okay, time to go. And so, um, and, and this, the last runners were coming in. It was really, it had thinned out considerably. And so I bid farewell to my team. And then I started to head up those stairs at the stadium from the infield to the outfield. Oh, God. <laughs> and I got about a quarter of the way up. And I said, anybody needs to pass, pass on the left because I can't speed up. So I got part way up. And then I thought, no, damn it, I'm going to sit down. So I sat down like I was a bomber fan. I thought, this isn't a bad spot at all. You know? <laughs> I got out my water bottle, which I hadn't taken out all morning. And I sat there and I observed. And it was a beautiful perspective from where I was that I don't see from where I usually am. And I could see the panorama of our setup. And how beautifully planned it was and how much effort it always takes to make it like it, what it is. But at this time, it was six hours in and there were very few runners still coming in. But those who were coming in deserved every bit of recognition that they could get. But the stadium, our new crew had come in to start taking things down. And I saw them carrying away the, the the gates, the chutes, the, oh. the barricades, if you will. I can't think of the real word. And they were taking them off to the side. And they were lining them up. And everything was being dismantled. And I got to thinking, oh, they'll do this quickly. And before you know it, it's like we have never even been here. It'll be like Brigadoon. And the bombers will come in to play the game on Thursday and it's like nobody's been in our space since we left it the last time we played here at home. And that's not true because the Manitoba Marathon had been in their place, in their space, and it accomplished great things with great people, with great effort and enormous potential. And yet it was gone like Brigadoon. And did it really happen? You betcha it happened. You betcha it happened. Oh, Nancy, we could listen to you all evening. <laughs> this is this is exactly what I knew. Like, am I right, people? Like, this is this right. Is, you, you know what? The goods. Yeah. You opened this whole thing talking about appreciating where you are at this moment, being here now in this season, in this place, even crawling up those stairs oh, God. and sitting there on, you know, with your water bottle. You were able to just pause and appreciate and look at the depth of the experience you had in that moment. You know, it's a real gift, I think. It, and Kim, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. I mean, you know, what I said, and I, I was telling my kids in one of the messages today, the, the, the runners, they have, everybody had to go up those stairs to get out of the stadium. Yeah, everybody, it's legendary. <laughs> the punishment that you have it, to endure it was like there there was like the walking wounded i mean here these people had been at a start line and they were going to take on the world and they did and they did it but then their achy creaky legs had to carry them up these stairs yes. and so i sat there and i said to them good job well done 
And then I said to the man that I figured, I said, go have a happy Father's Day. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because, and, and so many of them, that we wish them happy Father's Day when they finished as well. Yeah. I think yeah. so that's really I think you have to make the most of the moments. But I thought these guys were gonna go home and they were gonna be sore. <laughs> they were gonna be happy sore. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh well, Nancy, thank you so much for <laughs> thank everything you. tonight. This has been everything I dreamed of and more. Oh. Um <laughs> the final question we'll leave you with is okay. what is the most significant way that running has changed you running or the running community oh I guess what it's done is it's taught me not to underestimate possibilities Mm -hmm. but it's also taught me because of the longevity of my involvement that things change and one of the most important parts of living is to accept the change is inevitable, but it doesn't have to be bad. Right. I just find that the, the gift of groaning older mm-hmm. is that things I am able to appreciate now, I would never have been able to appreciate when I was young and didn't think about these things, didn't care about these things, and wouldn't even have understood most of these things. So grow old people and grow wise people and don't stop being part of what matters to you, no matter how old you are or what shape you're in. Keep going. Whew. Okay. You're making me cry again, no, like, no, this no. Is not, but you know what? Um, this was an inaugural award, right? This was the first year of the excellence in volunteering award that the MRA has given out. And there are some pretty big shoes to fill for 2024. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't know how they could possibly find somebody that could top what you're doing and the way that you're giving back in the running community. And we are on behalf of those runners in Winnipeg. um, We're, we feel very lucky to, to have you leading us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think there are people there. I think there are many people who are doing and will continue to do what probably not everybody is as gifted with is the gift of the gab. Yes. (laughs) I think sometimes that's one of the things that I realize um, somewhere along the line. I love to talk. I love to share. And that's what you've given me the opportunity to do, both of you. So thank you very, very much for right now. It's been a pleasure. Indeed. <laughs>